Sauber, nice walk from Chassam Soifer. Chassam Soifer, the Drushes, says on the Pusik, Zuzhik Satoira. The Targum says, Du Xyrus Araisa. This is the Xyrus Araisa. So, explain what does that mean? He says, if Hashem wouldn't have put an obligation on the leaders of the generation, on the Chachme Atoira, to speak up, if Hashem would have given an option for Amana Gadot, just sit at home, learn, daven, do his own thing, and, uh, you know, he wouldn't be responsible for what people are doing. No responsibility. He said, everyone would be, everyone would be much happier. Why? Because he would be able to do his own thing without feeling responsible and obligated to take care of the generation. And the people would feel much better saying, listen, nobody told me what to do. They'd say, ah, I get away scot-free. I, listen, I, I did the wrong thing, but no, nobody said anything. So if Hashem wouldn't have made that the Chachomim should be constantly looking at what's going on and, and, and speaking up, then everybody would be very, uh, very, very complacent, very at peace with themselves. But because Hashem gave a mitzvah of a chachich tzamseichu, to rebuke someone, to make sure people are doing the right thing, and especially people who are in authoritative positions to make sure that people are doing the right thing. So all of a sudden now, the person who should have said something doesn't have an excuse. Why, you know, why didn't you, why didn't you speak up? And the person who did something doesn't have an excuse because he was told. He says, the Pusik is telling us, the the fact that Hashem said that we should say something to someone when you see he's doing something wrong, especially when you're in the position to say something, this is definitely the Xyrus that I said. This is the main Xyrus of the Torah to make sure that people are doing the right thing. This is what's going to make sure that that tzaddikim don't um, shirk their responsibilities and that people don't shirk their obligations and they know that somebody, there's someone there that's going to say something and, and make sure they do the right thing. Now, it's interesting because as much as a, a, a ruv or someone in such a position has to say something, he also has to know what not to say. So it's not, you know, it's not just about saying things all day. Hashem's not saying that the Chochem should walk around giving you a miss the whole day. He has to know when and where. And that's what makes it difficult sometimes. What should I say? What shouldn't I say? I can't not say what I'm supposed to say. I can't, yes, say what I'm not supposed to say. There's definitely something called anxiety. If you, if you give a, make anxiety that people can't withstand, you're doing the wrong thing. You know, I say something that won't be accepted. So it gets very tricky. It's a mitzvah to say what will be accepted. It's a mitzvah not to say what won't be accepted. You have to use your head and know what to say when. And one of the places where everyone hits upon this uh, difficulty, this challenge, is when it comes to children. You're in an authoritative position with your children. You're supposed to be mechan of them. You don't have that option of saying, listen, it's not for me. Let them grow up and do their own thing. You don't have that option. You're responsible. And, they, and, and if you don't tell them what to do, then they might have an excuse. Well, yeah, I wasn't told what to do. How, how are they supposed to get it on their own? And then again, you're supposed to not say something that shouldn't be said. You have to be very careful with this to know how to say and what not to say. And this is where we all ask for siyat nishmai. And there are definitely sensitive topics, sensitive um, situations. Should I, should I tell my child something? Is it going to help? Is it not going to help? If I say it, will it cause damage? You know, and things like that. And this, these are questions that I get all the time about uh, you know, when it comes to teenagers, or it comes to challenging um, children. Should I say something? If I don't say something, does it mean I'm okay with it or not? This is definitely something that always needs a certain amount of deshmaya, a lot of set deshmaya, and sometimes a lot of guidance to make sure you're not making mistakes. So let me mention two questions that actually came in um, pretty close one to another, and we'll address them together. Rabbi Gruen, I sometimes listen to your lectures in Torah anytime, and I'm grateful to you for sharing your wisdom. I especially appreciate the strength you keep reinforcing, which I know but love to hear, that living within the Torah and the Chachamim's guidelines is the happiest life. Thank you. I would love to hear your advice on the topic of addressing or helping children, helping teenagers understand sensitive topics. Firstly, when they have questions regarding marriage or reproduction. Secondly, getting to their heads first, before their peers feed them feed them premature sensitive information in a wrong way. I'm especially worried about the second point because I was made aware that in sleepaway camps, which is now we're before the summer actually, so it's um, appropriate, many kids bring home an education. 
Sincerely, a conscientious mother. Okay, that was one. Another email. Good, good afternoon, Rabbi Gruen. I would like to start by thanking you for all your lectures and writings that I really enjoy and gain on a daily basis. My question here is as follows. My oldest is a seven-year-old. She loves to understand things and questions a lot. I do encourage her to ask and sit with her to answer her. The problem, or not problem, I'm just not educated on that, starts when she asks questions that I do not know how to handle. Not questions I don't know the answer, as I'll answer I do not know, but I don't know how to handle. It's mainly when it comes to the subject on how kids are born, etc. I would appreciate if you could answer on how to handle this or direct me to a lecture regarding the subject. Although I should have thanked you regardless of sending in a question, I still could not pass this without thanking you. Okay, you're very welcome. I did I did talk about... I did once give a lecture, you can look it up at the right time by searching the word inappropriate, about giving children a feeling to what is or what isn't inappropriate, which is also something that needs a lot of set But now we're talking about answering sensitive questions, educating about sensitive topics. So let me let me try to address this with Tzadnash Maya to the best of my ability. Um, it's not a question that being exposed to, to information, premature, being exposed to sensitive information is 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 not healthy, not good for anyone. It's not a question that these things are sometimes just traumatic and cause a, a problem, just you know, emotionally. Sometimes it causes bigger problems when people are exposed to it. They shouldn't know. Not a question. Part of, part of what, what is called today sexual trauma includes even just, just being fed or being exposed to information. Just information that, that, that's, that's not good for a child to know. So we all ask for Hashem for the Shema to help us, to help our children um, you know, not find out what they shouldn't at the wrong time or the wrong way. That's it. Sometimes people assume that, you know what, like one of the questions is saying, maybe I'll give it education. Maybe I'll expose my child to something like this. I know at least I, you know, I was the first one to give it and I'll give it in the most sensitive way. So I think what's important to understand, first of all, is just the idea that, that when a child is exposed to something, they're exposed to something. And if the information is not something they should be exposed to, then you just did something very wrong or very very damaging. The fact that you did it, I understand why you might think that you did something better than a worse thing, but sometimes you're doing just as bad. Because the problem was the exposure and the, and the knowledge. And it's similar to sometimes when, when a parent would say that I know my child wants something, a certain gadget, a certain something, or worse than that, and I bought it for him. Why do you buy it for him? I'm afraid that maybe he'll get it otherwise himself, and, and I want to be the one that gets it for him. Now, I, I understand the logic, and I understand the justification, and sometimes it's the right thing to do, by the way. When you get, when you get specific guidance from, from someone who really does understand that, you know what, in this case, it's inevitable, he's an avid anyway, and at least if you get it, then he'll, he won't uh, be there to spite you, or he won't get the next thing, or whatever. There's such a thing. But sometimes it's wrong, because maybe a child wouldn't have gotten it, it's not sure that he would have gotten it. And you just got him something. So the fact that you got it for him might make you feel good that at least I'm the one giving him. But you just gave him something that's just as damaging as if someone else would have given it to him. You damaged him. You know, if you give a, a baby a knife and you're the one that gave it him instead of him taking it himself, you didn't really prevent anything. So that's one thing that's important to understand when it comes to giving over knowledge that's inappropriate. If the knowledge is inappropriate or the education is inappropriate because it's not the right time or the right situation, then, then very often you're doing just as bad so you're not really avoiding anything that you would want to do, even though it might seem a little a little better. Um, that, that's first of all. Now, could be, and this is like similar to what I just said, if you know for sure that somebody is about to expose your child to something in an unhealthy way, and you beat them to the punch because you know it's, it's just a matter of a few minutes, let's say, then, then maybe, maybe, I don't know, then maybe you would have accomplished something. But because you're hopeful that that doesn't happen, and because it's not always going to happen, and because you don't know, so that's why very often you're trying to do something on your own, and, and surely cause a certain amount of damage instead of avoiding um, you know, a doubt, a doubtful uh, 
damage is also something that's, that's not good. But, but let's go a little, a little broader than that. I think in general, as much as people don't like to hear it, as much as people keep on asking why is it like that or why maybe things are different, there is an understanding that was always there and probably always will be there, whether it's coming strictly from Das Torah or just the accepted way of Yiddishkeit and the accepted way of how people do things, how Yidin do things, how Yidin always did things, which is that you don't educate children on information that pertains to after the marriage, before they're married. That's how it is. And it's not going to change. Not so quickly. So sometimes people say, well, well, it was never addressed and people don't talk about it, so maybe we don't know, maybe there's really another way. How come there is something about understanding, yes, this is how it was done. This is how it was done by great people. And those people are not changing it. And the problems that, that come up today always came up, and it was always a challenge. And I speak to people who deal with these things, whether it's in yeshivas or schools, it was always there and it always will be there. And it still was not decided ever to change the system and do what, let's say, in secular society and, and teach about reproduction. We don't do that. And, and, and it's not, if it's not done, there's a reason for it. And unless it's challenged by those who are able to make these kind of decisions, then it will never be the right thing to do. The challenges that are here today and that people, that children or, or teenagers find out things will always be there. And it's not so hard for teenagers to find out things. And we still don't discuss these things. So it's just important to know that there's such a thing as just keep things the way they are unless you can talk to somebody who's a very, um, who's a person in the position of telling you that yes, this is how, that we do things differently now. But that's not happening. And it's not my place certainly to challenge. And like you started off telling me about you know, the Torah and the Chachamim's guidelines, this definitely is included uh, about something so sensitive. I should mention something cute that I saw uh, from the Binyan Duvid, the Vites and the Ruz, Tata. The Binyan Duvid, he was a, he was a great uh, gudel. He said a lot of pshatlach, a lot of drish. And he said that the first drish that he said when he was a little boy, his first pshatl that he made was, uh, the kasha is, why could two people make the same lachamishna? Lachoret is a halacha, that if something is about to be caught, it's like it's caught already. So if you're using two chalas and you're about to cut one, but the other one has to be whole at least, Right? But if your friend is also making the chamish with you together and he's going to cut the other one, so maybe it's like it's cut already, so it's not a shlaima. You know, cute question for a child. So he answered two, two answers. One is that we see everyone does it. You see two people making the same lechemishna all the time. Right? Two bilkas, two, two people. It must be your lahu. Second of all, in Shas and Paskum, it doesn't say anything about this discussion, and it must be that it's not a problem. So he said this over to his father, and his father asked him, You're a little boy, how do you know what it says in Shas and Paskum? You learned all Shas and all the Paskum? He said, No, but I want to hear my father discussing this shaila. And he came up with all interesting suras and rayas, but he didn't mention anything from Shas and Paskin that discussed this Shaila itself. So I understood if my father didn't mention anything, it must be he doesn't say there. So, you know, the punchline, and, and what I think the takeaway is that sometimes, and I, I, I've taught this to Bukhram in the past, when Bukhram come up with all kinds of interesting Shailas, Lalucha, why isn't this a problem? Why isn't that a problem? How come people aren't more makbar on this and this? How come we don't find Rabunim discussing this issue? Sometimes, it's a certain trust. The fact that they don't, that alone says you can rely on it. The fact that the Chachomim are not walking in the streets looking for Shaymas on the floor, and they're not telling people to do so, that alone is sometimes something to just rely on. Yeah, but maybe, you know, I understand that you might see it differently, and I understand that you might have a lot of good reasoning behind it, and sometimes the fact that it wasn't addressed, it wasn't done, or is not done, and the people that we trust, the people we look up to, don't, don't do that, it's something to, to trust. Now, you could ask why, you could find out, you could discuss with someone, or you could discuss a specific situation where you feel things might be a little different, based on circumstance, but in general, we're not here to challenge the way things are and make believe that nobody got it till now and we're the ones that get it. It's just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So that's something that we definitely have to be the, you know, a certain amount of trust that we have. So, like I said, there's definitely a lot of repercussions that could come from people who try challenging this and feeding children information because they want to be the ones to do it and they understand better. You tell your child something, you don't know how much damage it could cause the child, 
how traumatizing it could be, how much that child could now say it over to someone else. So the person you're trying to avoid from telling your child instead is being told by your child things that, I know, I know you told your child you should never tell it to anyone. I, I know that, obviously. You know, nobody's stupid enough to, go, to say, go, go give over the information to the others. But if my parents could tell it to me, and my friend's parents weren't nice enough to tell it to him or her, then maybe I should help them with this, etc. So that's definitely um, just something to think about. Another thing in general is that sometimes parents don't even realize how much information they actually do give over to children simply because they're not sensitive enough, whether how they speak in public or what they do and things like that. And I'm not going to go into detail, but I know that many people tell me that they figured out a whole lot of things that maybe shouldn't have uh, simply, by, simply by hearing or watching their parents do things or, and, and parents aren't, simply aren't aware of how, how um, um, what's the word, perceptive children are. So that's also something just to mention in, in this discussion. Now let, let me move on. The idea of protecting children, that they shouldn't be exposed or affected by things that are not and things that you don't want your children to be exposed to. Um, like I said, some of it is inevitable. You can't control a child. You can't control what a child understands or comes up with or thinks about or hears from someone. You can't. You can't. And it's important to know that. It, it takes nothing for a child to open up a gemura or a ketzah without going online, without reading anything, you know, just to, to find any information that they really want. So you just have to know that that's how it is, and that's always how it was, and you can just try your best. You can try your best to protect the child, and you should, it's part of your obligation. So you should definitely try your best to have your child only associate with good friends that you trust, um, friends that you don't think will damage them, etc. Obviously, the most possible. You shouldn't say, well, it's anyway inevitable, eh? so I, let's, let's just, I just have to rely on Hashem, and I can't do anything about it. And anyway, every kid knows everything in it. You definitely, have to, you definitely have to do your part, and, and, and you should. On the other hand, yeah, you'd be surprised that sometimes it's the best friend and the best boy that actually said the wrong thing. Maybe his parents are smart enough to teach him something that they shouldn't have, but I mean to say, you don't know who it's going to be, so you could just do your best, and you should do your best. You shouldn't say, well, I anyway can't, so I... No, you do have to. Not always will you know how to preempt these kind of difficulties. Um... And, and in general, very much is self-understood by children. In other words, when it comes to teaching about you know, inappropriate touch or things that you, know, you, you want children to know not to let someone else do something that they shouldn't do to them, there are people that they get so passionate about this that they get very explicit. Okay? Don't let someone touch you this way or, or if someone asks you this question, you don't always have to go there. Most children understand slowly, slowly on their own by, by, by osmosis, by seeing what is said, what isn't said, by seeing what gets a certain gasp, what seeing a certain reaction. This is inappropriate. This you don't do. If somebody wants to do something that's not idle or not proper, you stay away. Very often children understand. So there's very many things that you don't have to be so clear about, and, and slowly it goes over. So that's also you know, something that just you don't always have to be so clear and upfront about things. And very many times, you know, very often things slowly go over just with a certain amount of sensitivity and a certain amount of subtle uh, messages that you give a child. Now, obviously, if you do know of a friend that talks. Um, inappropriately to a child or said something inappropriate, you do want to teach a child to stay very far away from that kid. If your child repeats something from someone and you know that it was wrong, you could say, listen, this, this is something that we don't discuss and I think it's very important for you to stay away from that kid. You shouldn't make it into a whole trauma that if I ever catch you on the same block as that child and now the child has to start hiding from you, they shouldn't feel bad about what they just did. But yeah, there's something to teach about. There's, something, there's definitely something about teaching children to... Um, you know, to stay away from bad influence and from bad friends. I also want to mention that sometimes, unfortunately, it's your child who educates other children, and sometimes you have to do something about it. And sometimes parents don't want it, they want to hide it. And here comes the responsibility that you have. 
If you know because somebody told you that your child said something wrong, you have to do something about it. Now you should discuss it with someone who could who could help you handle a sensitive situation without without causing damage as you go on. But sometimes you have to tell uh, a malamad, a rebbe, a teacher that you know I know my child had this issue with someone and I want to have it addressed. Or if you know of a child who who said something or exposed your child to something wrong or abused or whatever um, kind of inappropriate behavior, it's your it's your job to say something. I remember when somebody called me with such an issue, knowing about a certain neighbor who was doing things with children that they shouldn't, and I said, yeah, you have to speak up. And they spoke up, and the first thing that was told, and I don't want to go into this, um, I don't want to go into this very controversial and sensitive topic of how much people in the system try to hide information and all that, but the situation was where the person said, well, I'll deal with it, you don't have to tell anyone. And he followed up and nothing was done about it. I said, listen, you can tell them very nicely, if you don't do something about it, and you don't talk to the people that are involved and make sure it doesn't happen again, I'm gone because that's my responsibility. I can't let things go just go on. So instead of making a federal case out of it, please take care of it in a responsible way. But the point is that, yes, this is definitely something important. And even though you can't always preempt things, and even though there's not always ways to, to give the healthy education before your child is exposed to something, if you know that there's something inappropriate going on between kids, if it's yours or somebody doesn't, then you should make sure that you could do whatever you could. And like everything else, like I started off, you know, when it comes to things like this, you need so much shmaya. You dive into Hashem to protect your children. Just like you don't want to protect your children from car accidents, which nothing you can do about. You know, even if a child is careful and he only crosses by the light, if you ask Hashem, Hashem, so same thing with this. There are children that are less exposed or not at all exposed because Hashem is watching over them. And it's something only Hashem can take care of you. So that's definitely something you want to you you daven about. Because like I said, you know, if a child can be exposed from reading a gemura or just from coming up with questions in his mind, that sometimes there's not, there's not even anything you can do other than daven to Hashem that he should stay safe. That's what we all want from our children. So that's definitely... Now let me go back to the actual um, question, was, which was, what do I do when a child asks a question that's very sensitive and, and I can't answer the question? Okay, till now, I don't think I answered that yet. So what I think the real answer is that there is no one-size-fits-all answer. There isn't. There isn't. And I discussed this with Mechanchim in the past. There is no one-size-fits-all answer to such a question. Where do babies come from? There's not one answer you could give everyone that will satisfy that will satisfy everyone. The first thing that you do want to understand, aside from the fact that obviously, like I said, it depends on age, stage, relationship, and more. The first thing you want to understand is don't don't make a child feel guilty for asking a question, which is something that you mentioned. One of the questioners, don't scream at a child for asking a question. Don't tell them how terrible of you to ask. Where did you get that from? That I can't believe. If you do that, you, you're doing you could be causing a lot of damage. You can make a child feel bad about himself. You can make a child afraid of you. You can make a child less open with you. You can make a child not trust you. You can make a child now become even more curious and want to find out what, whoa, what, did, what caused that reaction. You have to be careful about that. If a child asks a question that's inappropriate, very calmly you want to sit down and talk to the child. You don't want to scream at him. You don't want to make him feel bad. You don't want to hide things from you or be afraid to share with you what's on his mind. That's, that's definitely something very important. Now, some children are young enough and naive enough to brush off and say, Oh, Hashem sends, you know, look, that, you know, this Tati Mami didn't have your children. We're davening for them. This one, Hashem sent the child. Obviously, when children, when children are even smaller, well, they all know. Children come from the hospital. So there's definitely, you know, age and stage. When I've seen people talk to little children in a very inappropriate way. I'm not talking about this subject even. But in an inappropriate way, it's, it, you just have to know that a child is a child. I remember, when I, I remember hearing, overhearing a conversation between a father and a young kid who said something about when people die or, or nifter and besachaim. I don't remember what it was exactly, Levaya. And the father was, you know, no, children have, children have to know. Well, when they're dead, you put them in a box and you cover them with the ground. And when a child is five, aside from the trauma, it's, even if it's not traumatizing, it's just inappropriate. 
So you have to know that some things are appropriate for little kids and some are appropriate as children get older. And it depends on their stage and your relationship with them and how much they trust you and how much they're going to, you know, how, how accepting they are and things like that. So that's definitely important. Now, when a child is older or intelligent enough or, or um, curious enough and you see that these answers aren't going to help, then sometimes you have, to, you, have to, you have to understand what you're dealing with. You have to acknowledge sometimes to a child, this is something that before people get married, or tatis and mommies, no. Now I know some people don't like making that secret, but sometimes anything else you're going to mention might be worse off. Saying that, don't worry, when you become a kalo, when you get married, that, that's when, you know, that's when, the, you know, that's, when, that's when Hashem makes people understand, or that's when we're taught certain things. Now some people don't want to acknowledge that, but I heard this again, I heard this from a big mechanic who said that by the time a, chi- a child, and again I'm talking about specific children, a certain stage or age, by the time they're um, smart enough to realize that there's a piece of information that must be there, something must be happening, and they're not going to buy a simple answer that they're going to they're gonna realize doesn't make sense, that's when it's time to acknowledge that there's information, that's not for now, and you know, a, a, a smart boy and girl, don't try to find answers to things that are, that are appropriate later in life, and don't worry, you'll be told. Sometimes, for some children, that, that goes over well. Now, that, the truth is, and this is something I heard from Mechanech, very often a child who's curious enough and understands that something's being hidden, they're going to go look for the answer. And you can't, you can't necessarily prevent that. But once you addressed it in a calm and, and confident way, and you made sure that a child understands that there's nothing to be afraid of and, and that there's something there, and they just saw how it's being discussed in a very sensitive and very... Um, gentle way where this is not something we discuss then even if they do find out certain information they'll know that this is something that mm, shouldn't be spoken about now another thing that I, that I do want to mention is that sometimes people don't even realize they either feel guilty about the fact that they're not sharing something with a child and it comes across your child sees like oh I'm not feeling comfortable with the fact that I can't share with you because I don't know if I should or not and they pick up on something that's making a certain uneasy feeling over there which, which is not settling that's aside from the fact that some people don't feel comfortable what, about what married life is about, which could also come across when a child, when a child sees like a, a parent is ashamed of, of, of something that's being hidden. There's a necessary evil that I'm not comfortable with, either because of how I was taught or the way we do things or whatever, I'm not going to go into detail, and a child could see on you a certain uneasiness about what that question just triggered in you. But when a, when a parent is comfortable with themselves, with what they do, with how they do, and with what they're sharing and with what they're not sharing, that confidence is very comforting to a child. Another thing I want to say. When a child asks a question that's even more explicit, and it seems that they already got some kind of education, and they're asking you if it's true, one of the problems people do is they deny certain information. And that's not good, because then children learn not to trust, and they see you know, that this is not something um, helpful. So that's also something you have to be careful with. You could offer a child to discuss this with someone else, if that's easier for you. And, of course, what's most important when it comes to children, so much depends on the relationship. If you see a child who's struggling, a child that's getting influenced, a child that's uh, whatever, invest in that relationship, whatever you could be, as close as you could to that child. Stop caring about the nitty-gritty, um, something that dropped on the floor, the tissue that dropped on the floor, or the, or the collar that's crooked. Invest in the feeling with the child, because when a child is going through certain stages and certain confusions, the first thing you want to do is be very close with that child, very close and loving. Let them trust you, let them be close with you. I want to impress you, I want to make sure you're happy. And, 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 and it should mean a lot to them, you know, to give their, their um, parents nachos. So the more challenging a child is, and the more challenging the questions are, and the more challenging the situation is, the more you want to invest in your children, the more you want to love them, the more you want to show them acceptance and make them feel comfortable with you. And when I yourself in this way, see nachos from all our children, and, and being able to help them with all their struggles, and with all our struggles, and live together, all the shalom v'shalom.